Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Jones of all ages, welcome to the main event of the evening. It's Talking Joe with Chief and Steve. Yo, yo! Yo, Joe! Hey, 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 it's me, the tank, the chieftain tank, joined by you. S-Jobs88. <laughs> hey, Chief. Who else we got here? <laughs> yeah, we got no, anyone else no. hiding hiding in the studio? <laughs> Have we? No? No, we don't. It's just you and me, man. Dude, we had such a cracker episode with uh, with Matt yeah. Miller, a.k.a. Mate Myla. We need yes. to have that guy back sometime. Hey, mate. Great. A lot of, lot of fun there, and uh, 100% we'll get that guy back on um, doing the yeoman's work over there. How have you been, though, yourself? Oh, man, this whole world keeps turning on, buddy. I really yeah. have no room to complain. Went for a nice long swim in the ocean today. It's something that Beautiful. Tim and I do not see eye to eye with. She hates the beach. Me, love okay. the beach. So it's my fortress of solitude. <laughs> I go there to peace the F out. So when you say I'm going down to the beach and you really want some quiet time, you know that she's actually going to not join you. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. It's uh, okay. it's her kryptonite, literally. But <laughs> I'll tell you what we do connect on, and that is Streets of Rage. We played the ah, first yes. game. Yes. We completed the first game together. She was like, let's do part two. I was like, okay. What? Okay. Straight on to, to, to the second game, which we completed as well. And then we were like, well, damn, I guess that just means we've got to do number three. You know People it. are down on the third Streets of Rage game. Now, but I cannot remember it. I must have played it, but I can't really remember it. I don't know. What, what's, what's the reasoning on being down on it? Well, the soundtrack is a little bit inaccessible. I watched a documentary on it and, and apparently the composer was trying to push the electronica a little bit harder than than right. ever before so it was less dancey and more like he, he wanted to actually strip out all the kind of human elements of the music oh, really yeah so it's very atonal and weird and off kilter and difficult to listen to in fact so jarring that i would suggest uh for first time players of uh, Bare Knuckle 3 or Streets of Rage 3, just get the soundtrack to Streets of Rage 2 and lower the, the, the music <laughs> volume. <laughs> so you just have sound effects playing and then play, you know, pump the tunes, yeah. man. The original tunes. That's interesting because, you know, sound often gets overlooked in terms of what it brings to pretty much any form of media. And here's a good example, potentially, of what the bare bones is, is potentially a good game, but is off-putting you know, the music, the soundtrack is potentially off-putting to the experience, so... Oh, but Streets of Rage is a rock star title in terms of its soundtrack. Just so good. Any preference for character, or are you happy to play as anyone? I like Blaze, but uh, I will kowtow to the lady and let uh, Kim take the the, the only token female on the team. Okay. She's just got the best mix of kind of agility, and she's good. She's a good, averaged-out player, good at everything. Um, so I would then just default to Axel, 
But yep. I've been known to take uh, the the oddball characters from time to time. Okay, so pretty much anyone is what you're saying. Well, Axel's kind of kind of the man, but you know, okay. when when you get the chance, if you've if you've used up all your lives and you hit the continues, uh, and you're able to change character, yeah, I've been I've been known to shop around. Kim okay. is more conservative and always ends with more lives. I I end with more points, <laughs> okay. but I always run run the risk of of uh, dying out. Uh, before yeah, we reach yeah. the end, it's good. great fun, man. Good, good to adventure together. And I had never played the third game, and it's very good. It's okay. got more story elements, which a mind like mine absolutely gobbles up. Like I would yes. just make up my story uh, with the previous two games, anyways. When I was playing it as a kid, you know, I kind of scripted in my mind and like back and forth with the other player like what we're doing and who we need to track down and and what our characters are thinking try and create some kind of internal monologue while we're beating the shit out of these street punks yeah, uh-huh. yeah nice yeah man but you're a role player yourself so i'm sure you kind of read a lot more into the video games than just what they were spoon feeding you you know yeah no i'm not sure i did to be honest i'm not sure i did i i think i was just happy to go along with what i was presented you know i've kind of said this before that my video gaming habit in terms of preferences I never really got into the sandbox games where the, you know you the real expansive stuff where you choose your own adventure almost I, I always preferred the linear games where I'm being diverted down a certain path and almost being told what to do when to do it so I don't I don't know if that informs on my character because I don't think it does in real life but maybe that's just a a bit of escapism or you know a release for me to switch off and you know just be on rails if you will playing a video game i don't know uh, look i'm not a, a kind of current generation video gamer so sandbox games are are something that I, i'm not familiar with i think that there would just be too much of an option uh, for me yes uh, yeah, I, i'd yeah. lose myself I, th- I think like you i need something linear but within that i would like to overthink things tend to think more more about yeah, the plotting yeah i mean th- i guess things like resident evil for example that is linear because you have to do things in a certain order but you're still given the freedom to kind of run around and choose which rooms to go into and explore and things like that so that's kind of my uh, a perfect pitch of a balance between having to do things a certain way but still being able to do a little bit of freedom to explore i suppose resident evil is the perfect example of like the equivalence of deep reading in comic books like you can pour over yeah. every page you can you can pour over every document that your character uncovers in those resident evil games and kind of build the story for yourself yes. or you yeah, could attempt right. to speed run and just plow through zombies get items solve puzzles yeah. get it done mm. yeah so perhaps perhaps yeah perhaps i wasn't thinking clearly about my answer i think i do i do like to <laughs> look at all those i do like to look at all those documents and all the evidence and all the files and yeah. folders and read it and then like you say it does build up a bit of a mental picture an image to give you a bit of background about when this suddenly this big nemesis tyrant or whatever appears you know ah he was cloned from this and gene from this and with the reason of doing this rather than having no context for it was it you who had the art of Atari? Oh, no, I think it was Ben who had the art of Atari book. Yeah, yes. Prime example of how, with rather rudimentary games, you know, really, really basic Atari 2600 graphics yeah. and processing power, the artworks informed what your mind was was conjuring up when you were playing those games. Yeah. You know, those incredible painted artworks yeah. Yeah, just amazing. created the world... And you were just yeah. kind of doing the, the mechanics of that world. But yeah, you know, in so. your mind's eye as a child, you kind of you know, fill in the blanks, as it were. 
Yeah, yeah, good stuff, good stuff. I'm looking to move on to, I was playing The Immortal, as regular listeners will know. I kind of stopped there, pretty much not much <laughs> further than when I last spoke about it. But I may well go back to that. And I want to, I'm just looking over my shoulder here. I want to maybe try Rogue Squadron on the GameCube. Or mm. maybe I'm looking, maybe Spider-Man on the Mega Drive. So Cool. I think I tried that Spider-Man title. Um, I've been playing Spider-Man on the, the PlayStation, actually. That Neversoft okay. one. Fantastic right, yes, game. Yes. That's kind of yeah. nails the mechanic, but I, it seems almost like it's pitched to a younger audience, and I'm okay with that because I, I want to be able to play with some level of um, of reward, you know, right, not, yeah. not, not be beaten down too many times by a really difficult game. So it's that's working it, out just it. fine for yours truly. <laughs> Yeah. Listen, it's uh, lunchtime around my way, and as a pre-lunch snack, I want to hit the snacks. So let's do it. Ooh. Let's get the snack police. Potato chips, crisps, biscuits and candy, washing them down with a whiskey or a brandy, chewy sweets, cookies, built-in and jerky, snacks running fear because we got them at our mercy. We're snackers, attackers, bad mother truckers, and we're eating all the crackers, munchers, crunchers, knockout snacks like we're heavyweight punchers. Snack police are in there. His house. I've gone to a classic. Um, I think these are the world over. It's a box, 200 grams of Ritz crackers. Mm-hmm. And it says the original cracker on the front. Let's have a go. The box is already open because, of course, I've been snacking on these. <laughs> Simply baked in sunflower oil. Ooh, <laughs> delightful. I will. Smash this whole box, I reckon. Yeah, well, it seems like your caveats to always insist that there be a big jug of water nearby. Because if you're going to smash a box of Ritz... Yeah. And to Aussie listeners, that would be a box of Jats crackers. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, they've got their own original brand. Ha, ha, ha. I'm just looking at the um, 100 grams, 490. Yeah, so this box is 980 calories. (laughs) (laughs) So, So that's my lunch. Soaked in olive oil. I, yeah. What I'm saying, sunflower oil. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, get it right. Uh, um, coronary City. What have you got, my friend? Chiefy, do you associate seaweed with food? Good question, because I do like to make uh, uh, sushi every now and again. Mm. Obviously wrapped in, in dried seaweed. And I bought a packet, I think they're called Itsu in the UK, I-T-S-U. They're kind of like little snacks of dried seaweed. But generally... Probably not, but uh, unless it's as part of a dish, like a, a a Japanese dish, maybe. But what have you got for me? Chief's non-seafood sushi. Interesting. Uh, that's not what I've got for you, but uh, do you do the seafood from time to time? No, no, but I do. I make non-seafood sushi, yeah. <laughs> Guessed it. All right, Mr. Vegan. Uh, today I have doldori, delicious seaweed snack, hot, spicy flavor. Now... Okay. The reason I ask you, do you associate seaweed with food, is because I do not. I have avoided okay. this snack altogether all my life because, you know, I've always lived near the ocean and, uh, you know, skin diving, scuba diving, yep. um, snorkeling around a reef. You're bound to, every once in every while, have some foreign object like a piece of seaweed or kelp float into yes. your mouth. Not nice, is it? And you immediately expel that shit. Yes. <laughs> that slimy, salty piece of grass from the ocean yes so why people dry it and turn it into a snack uh, it's beyond me but if this well, you're, tastes anything, you're about to find out if this tastes anything like the stuff that i encounter in the ocean i'm spitting it right back out yeah oh. do it 
God, it's all crispy and dry, and here we go. God, you're not looking forward to this, are you? It's like a really, really thin uh, potato chip. Yeah. But I can't disengage my mind that this is a piece of seaweed. Yes, I'm like, yes. how can you charge money for this? <laughs> <laughs> it's free in the ocean. Mate, well, at least it's covered in, in whatever this hot, spicy flavor is, which yeah. makes it palatable. But take that away. No, it's just seaweed. It's just seaweed. <laughs> come okay, talk. So oh, I think, come I think talk. we got I think we got one hit there and one fail. But yeah, let's swiftly move on to comic talk. <laughs> it's comic talk, it's comic talk, baby. Chief and Steve discussing like crazy. Larry Harmer riding these bad boys, making sense of the wackiest toys. Listen as we talk about story arcs, making noise louder than junkyard box. Talking about character motivations and all the various G.I. Joe fun locations. Chief, did you not want to talk about your Scalectrics, buddy? Oh, yeah, we can talk. Yeah, of course. Scalectrics. Yeah, let's talk about that because <laughs> I, Switch have, track. I have gone down a little bit of a rabbit hole with purchasing Scalectrics. Ben put up a video on his Ben Flying Retro Insta account. Uh, a few weeks ago of a DeLorean that he bought, a Skeletrix DeLorean, and he, he made a little video of his kid going up and playing with this car around the track. And it got me thinking, you know, I used to have loads of Skeletrix slot car racing as a kid, and maybe it's fun to get back into it. And I think having been trapped inside with this lockdown for so long, and me being in the loft, you know, working from home in this area, looking at the loft, thinking a track could go down quite nicely in that. If I tidy that area up a bit, I could put a nice track down. So I went on and I bought a couple of bulk purchases of track for like, I don't know, I think one was 55 quid, one was 60 quid. And then they arrived, no cars, but had the track, started putting it out. Then I bought a car, I bought a uh, Metro MG 6R4, I'll post some mm. pictures up on the socials, which looks nice. And then I thought, oh, I'll tell you what I need. Now I need a bridge. Oh, now I need a crossover. Oh, now I need a uh, chicane. Oh, now I need another car. Oh, and it just went on and on and on. And <laughs> I pretty much have been getting deliveries from eBay every day for about a week of new Skelextrix things. Oh, it's the best, isn't it? But suffice to say that the, the track is now set up. I did make one big error in my haste to get this up and running because I was so desperate and excited I just plugged all the track together, put the car on it, and the car just kind of clunked and then stopped. And it's because half the track I got wasn't in the best condition. And what mm. I should have done was get each piece of track, look at the, the rails, bend them down so they're flush, then give them a little uh, brush off with this like, kind of pebble stone to clean the tarnish, then wash them down or rub them down with a cloth duster re-put them in position so this is probably going to take a couple of hours to get all this track in you know fine primo shape but once it's down and these cars are running nicely uh look out free time because that is a thing of the past Ooh, suck it up uh i'm gonna need the numbers though chief uh, exactly how many meters of track do you imagine you you got well let, let me just consult i've got a spreadsheet here so <laughs> Yep, and uh, the configuration of the course. I suppose that could be a picture for the socials and for my benefits. Um, how oh, long did, I not, take... did I not send you the picture of the course yet? Oh, my word, did Chief. I? Buddy, your mind is a sieve. Okay. <laughs> so, meterage. The first box set I got was uh, 900 centimetres, so 9 metres. Then the second box of bulk stuff I got was 1,100 metres, uh, 1,100 centimetres. So, I got 20 metres worth of track. Hmm. 
and I don't think I've got space for all 20 meters in the loft. And bear in mind, I've actually got another set coming from eBay, which was another six meters. So I'm actually gonna have 26 meters of track, which I probably don't have room for. I, well, I probably could use all that, but it would leave me almost no walking room around the loft to get to <laughs> all the boxes of comics and Lego, which is all strewn around the outside. So I'm gonna have to be careful with my layout, but uh, when the, the final layout is done, I've got uh, borders coming with crash barriers, I've got the whole shebang. This is going to be, you know, something something epic, hopefully. Did you manage to clean it up in in, in good time? I mean, have you had a no, test run yet? Oh, I okay. haven't. I haven't cleaned up all the track to the specification I want it cleaned up to yet. Gotcha. But that, that's coming. Awesome, Chief. Yeah. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Very cool, man. Looking forward put to seeing your set up videos out. Yep. Yep. Be tiptoeing um, over those tracks like. Uh, well, like a parent's, basically. A parent in a kid's room in the dark, except yeah. you're the kid. <laughs> well, the amount of stuff I spill, the amount of liquid I spill in the loft, it's not long before that goes over one of the power units and I, I fry myself, probably. It's just a disaster waiting to happen. That or you falling through the hatch. Yes, one of these it is, days, yeah. man. My dad keeps telling me, get one of them safety barriers around the loft opening so that you can't fall down. And I thought that was, you know, ah, I don't need one of them. But now I'm actually thinking that's a good idea, Dad. I will do that. But a scale electric uh, safety barrier. So, you know, just some, <laughs> some cones. <laughs> yeah, that's it. All to scale. That's nice. it, that's it. Anyways, um, covers. <laughs> yeah, covers. So, 191, we've got Chuckles standing under a light in a hallway with some dead guys and lots of shell casings around him. Nice. Top down like that. I was wondering why go with this interesting angle. And it's just to make it clear, you know, all that expended brass is on the deck. Yeah. And the bodies, of course. Like, that is your primo angle for that. And the light effects, beautiful. Yeah, nice cover. Masterfully laid out piece of work, that. Yeah, yeah. Nice cover. Um, 192, we've got Snake Eyes and Scarlet taking a walk with a wolf in front of them in the High Sierras. Kind of basic, not really, not really my cup of tea. The wolf looks way too friendly. Yeah. Seems a little bit out of touch with what, what, uh, what happens yeah. in the issue. But, you know, it's it's a very vanilla cover. Uh, I, I don't imagine this would have moved a lot of comics unless, no. you know, you're pandering to your, your diehards. Yeah, this second issue here, uh, 192, is actually drawn by Sergio Carello. I noticed uh, that, yeah, interesting. And we'll come on to talk about that a little bit, maybe. Jay Brown on colours, he inks his own stuff as well. And this 191, SL Gallant is on art, and then we've got actually three different inkers here. We've got Tom Simmons, Brian Shearer, and Juan Castro. And two colorists as well, uh, Jay Brown and Joanna Lafuente. So kind of a real mixed bag of creators on this one. But uh, this is the second part of the two-parter. So we probably should have a recap. So last time on A Real American Hero. In the midst of a political coup in Southeast Asia, a G.I. Joe team headed by Chuckles sets its sights on Generalissimo Tep and his ally, Major Blood. But while the politicians in Washington try to sort out whose side they're on, the village the G.I. Joe team has been aiding is buried to the ground. And Lady J is captured. Actually burned <laughs> to the ground, not buried, but yeah. <laughs> hey, buried, burned, potato, tomatoes, potato, tomatoes, man. Tomatoes, yeah. It's um, just your, your funky accent, brother. So, yeah, like I say, this is the, the rounding off of this two-parter. And again, like we mentioned last week, this is firing on all cylinders here. I thought it was a fantastic issue. Yeah, the, uh, the thirst for vengeance is pretty thick. Yeah, but it it also it self contains itself. I mean, it feels like there should be an overflow or a spillage yes. from from this issue. Yeah. But 
you know, having read them in this way and gone straight into 192, we see that, oh, okay, that's it. That's where the story ends. Yeah. yeah. And also, mm. you say, that, you know, it could have spilled out into something bigger. But even these two issues, to me, felt definitely a two-part story but they're quite distinct especially in terms of things like the setting so the first part was all out in the open and just had a different feel to it whereas this is very much more enclosed in in the palace grounds and is effectively a one issue rescue op kind of storyline so even though they definitely connected they they did feel unique enough on their own rights do you think maybe larry was venting some anger or frustration into these issues it feels very angry and i mean i know the joes have a reason for being so pissed but it almost feels personal personal to the storyteller we've not seen anything on this level of Mm. of that kind of violence and anger like you say i don't think in in the rest of the run and so far and it's even from panel one i'm looking at panel one page one and you can see a guy in the foreground with blood on his knuckles. He's obviously the torturer guy, plus cat. And on the table, there's a bowl of blood and he's got some pliers. And then there's a table in the middle of the room with some other instruments. Lady Jane in the background. And it's clear that they have been torturing her. And I counted four instances in this issue of a defenceless Lady J getting punched or kicked in the head. Oof, lady violence. Four separate instances. And the last one, there's two guys actually putting the boots to her at the same time i've just noticed now chief that lady j is on a drop cloth it's like do not get no blood on my teak floors yeah (laughs) yeah what's a scumbag this guy is he's Mm. he's hardcore he's got his goons like holding telephones up to him and the other guy's lighting his cigarette generalissimo tep man i wonder who he's modeled on just the scumbags of the world i guess so but Mm. yeah it was I think the first one was, you know, quite political. And this second one is just, like we said, just a pure revenge extraction mission, isn't it? And Chuckles leading the charge. I like the fact that you've got Jinx, Chuckles and Lowlight, all specialists, all showcasing their their kind of individual skills, as it were. Although one thing I know you're potentially not too keen on, lots of throwing stars in the head. When they are depicted so viscerally like that, I I guess I'm on side with them. Uh, You know, I... It's like one of those 1950s uh, crime noir tropes where bang and the guy kind of collapses to the ground. You know, normally if someone gets shot or, or injured or wounded in a severe way, death isn't instantaneous. There's a lot of screaming, a lot of yes. kicking, a lot of bleeding. So the throwing star trope, which is a popular like 80s ninja movie trope that like and then and then the guy goes down yeah. and that's it. Like. <laughs> It's not a clean instrument. It's not like taking a guy's head off. Unless you've buried it super deep, which I suppose the one in the back of the guy's head is yes. pretty deep. But still, I mean, my wife works in an emergency ward. Um, you know, people have taken axes to the head and still <laughs> live to tell the tale. Yes. It's, um, it's not a clean kill. But anyways, whatever. Action movie trope, I'll roll with that. Yeah. There's plenty yeah. more where that came in this issue. Chuckles is notorious for sort of monologuing about how his opponents uh, don't seek adequate cover. But he's just charging up staircases, <laughs> no body armor, loud Hawaiian shirt, facing down tens of guys with automatic weapons. And he's, you know, running around with pistols and a shotgun for a time. And it's just like, okay, 
plot armor once again. Yeah, he loves it. He loves it, Chuck. He's, he's shooting guys like one hand under his other arm, kind of behind <laughs> him at one point as well. And he's like, oh, you shouldn't have stepped out from cover. It's like, yeah. well, jeez, buddy, you're running up the staircase in broad daylight. No yes. cover for y'all. Flicked forward a few pages. There's, oh, actually, there's two panels in this page where Generalissimo is putting the boot into Lady J. And the last panel, this is page 11, probably doesn't sync up with what you've got. But um, he's kicking her in the head. It's the last panel on the page. Mm-hmm. And it's got the word stomp written on the bottom of his shoe. <laughs> you know an observation I made while reading Battle Action Force today? Go on. No sound effects. Really? Not a single one. Yeah, man. Uh, okay, maybe it was just the issue I was reading, but it seemed like all the all the sound effects were implied. It took a while for me to, to cop the fact. I was like, oh, oh, I'm flicking forward, I'm flicking backwards. I'm not seeing a single bit of onomatopoeia. So it clearly is something that is in us by now as comic book readers. Yeah. So I guess that just adds fuel to the fire that... You know, my argument is that it's not necessary. Yeah. But yeah. stomp written on the bottom of the sole of his shoe is, is pretty oddfully done. I'm not going to lie. And the fact that it's like the heel and the, um, what, you, what would you call the ball of the foot? Like the toe. You know, it's yeah, like yeah. separated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's great. <laughs> ST-omp. Yeah. <laughs> Art is great here. Art, you know, even with the mixture of inkers and colorists, you know, it's a strong, strong looking issue. Mm. So good, yeah, yeah. All out action, you know, sort of righteous killings. Yes. I felt a bit bad for some of the gods getting it, uh, you know, surreptitiously. But I suppose, I guess they threw their lots in with like a, a murderous leader. Yeah, so yeah. They got and, their comeuppance. Yeah, and obviously Jay does get free at the end and, you know, puts the boots on some of these guys as well. Mm-hmm. It's Chuckles that finishes uh, Generalism off though. You know, there's, there's a quick fire change in... The politics of the situation because there's a family with a tv on and on the tv as major blood's kind of crashing through the door it says there's been a coup at the capital a new reform government is in charge and has declared generalissimo tep an outlaw and he's been sentenced to death which is very convenient uh you know what when i read this for the first time i honestly thought that television set was in the same scene as chuckles yeah that does kind of that last pat that last bit on that page it almost does doesn't it there are separate panel borders but it's yes the, the black kind of masks it a little bit so it was blood who is informed by the news that yes. uh, the regime that he's been in support of is now outlawed and generalissimo has got a sort of a death warrant on his head where's blood going there actually he he's trying to find his way back to the the palace the presidential right. generalissimo's yeah, grounds because they've spotted low light as the sniper and they sent the helicopter out, but then uh, Tep has called the helicopter and I guess all his forces back to the palace because he's now under siege. Yeah, Blood's making his way back under the cover of the various sort of tenements and buildings. Yeah. And so he's the one who catches the bulletin and not Chuckles. So Chuckles, he did not have any authorization for that killing. Like he did not know that it was actually justified or at least no. justified by sort of the nation's own law. No. I don't know if that would fly in the Pentagon, but I guess, <laughs> so I guess definitely did take the law into his own hands. I don't know. Wow. Tep's raised his gun and he's about to shoot Lady J and then Chuckles has obviously capped him off. Mm. But that's warranted, I suppose, if one of your colleagues is, has got a firearm being pointed at him and, and you yourself are under fire. Look, yeah. I think he made good on his word. Um, so no matter how he spins it when he gets back to the Pentagon... 
this was what he set out to do and yes. mission accomplished. I mean, at the end of the day, if you don't want to um, whitewash his role, he is an assassin. You know, he's a trigger yeah, man. Correct. Yep. He's That's a bad it. boy to to handle the dirty work. Yeah. Well, Lowlight was there as well, wasn't he? You know, in the first issue last week, we saw that mm. they were actually there on a sanctioned mission to off te- Tep anyway, and they were just waiting for the government to give them the green light. And Lowlight was going to actually be the one pulling the trigger. But then, obviously, the Pentagon reversed that decision. But they were there to do an assassination uh, front and centre. Chief, any uh, thoughts on Jinx and Chuckles? As a pairing in G.I. Joe comic books, G.I. Joe media, just in general, are they are they more than just, uh, I don't know, teammates? In terms of this particular, you know, in the Real American Hero run, mm. I don't... I'm not necessarily hoping everyone couples up, but... I'm interested to know if this is some level of, of reception to the G.I. Joe Cobra series. Right, yes. Mm. Yep. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Like, there's an irrevocable link between Chuckles and Jinx now. Now, in yes, the minds correct. of the reader, these two are a thing, even if it's not at all stated. So when we see them in an issue together, does that, I don't know, does anything kind of fire in your imagination? Because it's not overtly stated in these particular issues... Not necessarily, no, but like you say, because of what we've seen in other continuities, it's always a possibility or you wouldn't be surprised if, you know, there is a scene where in a a future issue where they're together and it it does lead you to think was Chuckles, although he's rescuing Lady J, it would have been interesting if it was Jinx who was the one who was captured and being tortured, would he have charged in even more readily or would he have, you know... Uh, I don't mm, know. Good points. Good points. Would it have tactically, been a bit more blindsided. Look, I think it's a great thing. The undercover man and the ninja. We need to see more of yeah. that pairing, please. Good, yeah, I do like it. I do like that pairing. Um, nice to see Major Blood gets away, but he has <laughs> been issued uh, against him with a shoot on sight order. So Oof. he better keep low. And of course, the rather misleading text to be continued. Yes. That is an outright lie. <laughs> I think that was just pre-stamped on every single issue, to be fair. It's gotten a bit tired. I'm like, I yeah. see through you, I'm afraid. Okay. This is kind of where the Emperor is not wearing any clothing. You know, yeah. it, it is not going to be continued. And I suppose this is the first instance, at least in my time on Talking Joe, when that's not been the case. When it's been like, no, 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 issue 192 is a complete break from this plot the only very tenuous link you could say to be continued is <laughs> Jinx was in 191 and she's in 192. And that is no kind of link whatsoever. But it's, it's She is it's, a member of G.I. Joe. Yeah, <laughs> And it, she appears it. in two issues back to back. Yeah, continuing uh, the storyline. Um, listen, what, uh, couple this with last week's one and what's your yo-joage here, sir? Ah, jeez. Um, look, I... I'm not the biggest fan of run and gun expositions because it's it's very self-aware, you know. It kind of like it points holes at the fact that this gunfight is not very tactically being resolved. Chuckles is literally charging out of cover and yep. criticizing his opponents for doing the same. <laughs> yes. It's yes. very visceral and in a kind of 80s action movie you can't hit Rambo he can only hit you, you know, like you, you, you always get the drop on him. You spray down the room and miss him. And he turns around and levels an M60 at you. And that's it. The scene is over. Yeah. Um, 
that's how you need to go into it. That's how you need to read it. I'm going to give this a 8.5. Let me get the pen mm. so I can put it on the spreadsheet. <laughs> Chief, I'm not going to go back and rate everything, man. So my scores, well, I suppose... Yeah, that's fine. It's of it's 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 interest, historical interest. When S-Jubs came on, this is what he did. <laughs> I can't remember what, as far back as last week, what I gave last week's, to the two-part that preceded this one, out at sea with, with the major. I know you and mate both gave it 10. Yeah, I think uh, 8, I think I was, or an 8.5, mm. but I'm giving this the same. Whatever I gave that, I'm giving this the same. Very so good. I'll look back through the history books and find out. But let's move on to issue 192. Let's do it. And we got kind of four four points being played out here. One is Snake Eyes and Scarlet up in their cabin. One is Cabra Commander telling Mindbender about some new scheme he's got. Uh, one is on the last page, page just a, a reveal of uh, a hidden Doctor Venom hard drive and uh, Granny Arashikage, whatever her name is, Demon Granny appearing <laughs> to Jinx and Pale Peony is kind of the other plot thread. So there's, there's quite a lot going on here. And like I said previously, we've got Sergio Carello on art. And although I do like his art, it is a little bit apart from what we've seen from S.L. Gallant. S.L. Gallant is, I think, embedded himself as probably the premier best, I count Rod Wiggum as well in that category, of the best artist we've seen on G.I. Joe. And this is good, but it's a little bit superhero-y in places for me. Oh, you're talking about the topless snake eyes. Topless snake eyes, uh, you know, Scarlet in very, very short jean shorts. And <laughs> I don't know, it just it, it felt a little bit, in some of the scenes, it felt a little bit out of place. Right. Yeah, I suppose snake eyes, it is a bit distracting that he's kind of puffed his chest out so much. That looks very deliberately posed. Yeah. I think if you're hunting for trout... You know, with your bare hands in the river, you're going to be a little bit more hunched over, a little less catching a tan. Yeah, um, yeah. What I do applaud Sergio on is making Snake Eyes' rubber mask look like a rubber mask. Yeah, we've not really seen that before, have we? It's got a pallor to it, which is the subtlety, but obviously it's got the more overt kind of grotesquerie, which is the fact that it's, it's clearly a mask because it's lifting up. You know, it's not flush with his neck. And no yes. other artist that I can recall has ever had the, the I don't know, the, the attention to detail, maybe even the guts to attempt a... Hootspur. Yeah, well, it's hard enough drawing faces, but then to draw a phony face, that's going to require something extra. Yes, definitely. Um, and, and I do, I applaud Sergio's work in, in, in bringing that out. Yeah, I like all the scenes he does in the uh, amusement park when they're riding the ghost train. And there's oh, all these graphics. demons and skeletons and spiders and stuff. I, I, I really enjoy that visually. Mm, great lighting use, great yeah. colours. I mean, that is one expensive ride. Those things look incredible. <laughs> <laughs> and so, just clarify something for me here. Uh, Jinx, and try. Pale, Jinx and Pale Peony have come to this, wherever, where is it? Um, amusement park in the Asakusa district of Tokyo. And yes. they've joined the same car on this haunted house ride. And Granny Arashikage has popped up in the back seat. Who's this guy who's giving out, who's letting them on the ride, who's collecting the special tickets? Is he part of Granny's entourage? Well, you know, you've got the soft master and you've got the hard master and you've got the blind master. He is the loud master because right. he's a carnival barker. Yes. <laughs> I'm also bullshitting you, chief. I do not know, man. I liked it. No, I liked it. I'm, I'm down with that. He's the loud master. 
Um, uh, anyway, know, anyway, they're on here, and Granny has given them a mission to some sta- vagaries, dude. What yeah. the hell is she even saying? I don't it's know. So she vague. wants to. They're trying to update. She's taken on leadership because she was the wife, or she's now the widow of the Hardmaster, and mm-hmm. they want to move the Arashikage set on. And she says. Uh, much of the leadership and management of the clan must be passed on to a new generation, but in order for that to happen smoothly, certain troublesome loose ends must be tied up. The tying up task falls to you two. It will be a test of sorts. But she never tells them any more information. And the last <laughs> thing she says is, good luck, you're going to need it. And then she's gone. And they're like, what the deuce? Yeah. So, And of course the readers, what the deuce is, well, hopefully it's just going to fall on them as an action movie should, you know? Yeah. The yeah. protagonist just propelled through the plot. Did you notice anything interesting about Pearl Peony's outfit? Um, no, she's wearing kind of sweatbands, but that's, no. What am I looking sort for? Sort of 80s Cindy Lauper fishnets gauntlets <laughs> yeah but yeah. but uh, look a little deeper the popped collar the pink blouse all right yeah yeah the earrings yeah has she no. been getting style advice from anyone in particular uh you're gonna have to I'm, I'm drawing a blank here oh come on chiefy she's clearly stolen some of zorana's wardrobe all oh, right yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> the pink yeah, Very yeah, funny. yeah 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 that is right. zorana's um outfit i I'm of the opinion now, and it's just occurred to me now, that maybe the artist wasn't entirely convinced who the second character is. Yep, yep. You could be spot on there, and it may have been the colorist who then gave her the blonde hair, whereas, although it's kind of got some pink in it, down as they're about to get off the ride, I know it's the lighting, mm-hmm. but, you know, she's kind of got some pink highlights in her hair there, so maybe you're right. Maybe it was confusion about who this character was supposed to be. Or she just decided to make off with some of Zorana's threads. Yeah, it's like, yeah. or she I saw it. Your... She saw it on a GI Joe file card in in the pit, <laughs> and was like, "I tell you what, I like this outfit that Zorana's got. I'm going to go and get me some of that." Mm-hmm. Mm, interesting. Props also to Sergio for like nailing the tomahawk, which is a, a helicopter full of weird and and confusing mechanical details, shapes, lines, and angles. I'm no artist, but I know enough artists who've attempted that chopper to know that it's. It's not the easiest thing to draw, and he's no. done it magnificently. And presumably, I mean, he's a he's a hitman. This is his first issue on Joe, and he's done an admirable job. Like, yeah. that's always the true test for me. Do they nail the vehicles? Because G.I. Joe vehicles are so distinct, and they're so unique to G.I. Joe. They're not necessarily always copies of real-world things. Yeah, definitely. So you can nail the Jeep because, you know, everyone knows what a Jeep looks like. But a Tomahawk... Hmm. That's something Specialist else. Specialist vehicle. Yeah, nice. No, I really like that panel. They've just dropped the house off the hut and they're waving goodbye from the tomahawk. I really like the, the kind of like the angle of that panel. Nice. Snake Eyes' retirement bonus. How do you feel about that tomahawk uh, dropping in a, a lodge? I don't think a tomahawk could have brought that in from the pit. I think it must have been hauled by a truck, slow style, cross country, and then they just hoiked it up into the mountains. Yeah, Which is yeah. a challenging thing, like flying a helicopter fully loaded at altitude where the air is no doubt a lot thinner. It just speaks volumes to exactly how incredible the Tomahawk is as a piece of equipment. Yeah. Why, Chief? What do you think about uh, dropping off a, a log cabin <laughs> prefab? I don't know. It just looked a bit... Oh, it wasn't something I was expecting. The cabin looks pretty big. And what about... Where's all their plumbing? 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, shit like a bear in the woods, man. Yeah, okay. okay. Uh, I don't know. Good. I don't know. Anyway. They, they got to kind of put in the down pipes. Anyway, um, I did miss out an important story Ooh. point here that when I said, oh, this is four things going on. Of course, there's a fifth thing going on where we go to the pit and Clutch, no, not Clutch, sorry, Rock and Roll has got revelation. Well, there's two revelations here. Suddenly, his he's been hit on the head and his brainwashing is starting to become undone or he's remembering things. And also... Uh, there's something behind the elevator pit wall and it's not on the blueprints because the mauler has fallen down one of these shafts and it's broken through one of the walls in the pit and they've discovered some sort of secret hidden entrance to something which doesn't get revealed in this issue. So oh, It doesn't get revealed for a long time, Chief. Oh, they really? were labouring with this this secret. I remember it dragging on for a long time while I did my first read of this uh, all of a year ago, and it plays out, man. It's it's definitely okay, hanging so over I shouldn't be expecting to find the answer next week. Long game, buddy. Sorry. Okay, okay. It's nice to see uh, um, Hardtop. You got some 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 yeah. Joe personnel that you don't often see. In a, you know, mixing it in with uh, Clutch and Rock and Roll and, and Roadblock, obviously. Yeah, yeah. It's nice. It's nice. Nice panel there where he's punching the um, the emergency brake. Quite like that one. Very cool. The Mauler, once again, Sergio's nailed it. There's so many technical greeblies and bits and bobs on that, and it looks on model. Yeah. Even in like rather thankless panels where it's just kind of plunging down the elevator shaft, he's gone in and done the detail. Yeah, that's a great high detail on that one, the top-down shot. be yeah. commended. Yeah, fantastic. Definitely. Just remind me about Cobra Commander here because he's coming up with a new scheme... It seems like he only had a scheme a few issues ago. I think, like, whenever it was... When this came to IDW, issue 155 and a half, which was only, what, three and a half years ago, maybe four years ago, they had a, he had a new scheme and all that kind of stuff. And now he's like, ah, we're not going anywhere. We need something new. And what's he said here? A secret core of Cobra hackers has undermined the financial institutions of several small and vulnerable countries. Cobra's going to take over those countries by controlling their money and setting up puppet military dictatorships. Each of these countries will be a base of operations for toppling and taking over the governments of adjoining countries. So he's now on world domination, it seems like. (laughs) Blah, blah, blah. Rhetoric, rhetoric, rhetoric. It's a rally, man. I've distinctly felt like... Harmer constructed the scene, but had no idea what was coming, <laughs> what was going to come out of Cobra Commander's mouth until he sat down to write it. Because it was like, I'm, I'm building up to my master plan, my master plan, my master plan. And then it comes out as something so kind of vague. Like, yep. yes, we, isn't this what Cobra does anyway? It's yeah. like manipulate <laughs> small governments, move money around, seed their personnel into strategic places. It's like... Cobra Commander isn't saying anything new, I no. don't think, in this whole tirade. But it, it's a very effective. I mean, yeah. it's it, yeah. this is c- clearly how he operates, how he drums up his support. Like yes, it. Yes. Next thing I want to talk about is it doesn't seem necessary to this issue. Maybe it plays out later. But we get two pages where Destro pops up, and you know he's doing almost security checks kind of thing. He's running. Oh. He's running exercises to test the defenses of Rancho Cobra. Yes, it looks like he's preparing an invasion force. I guess you could either look at it as Destro being preemptive, or he's just being his usual cautious self, and he's got like contingencies for everything. It's like if Cobra gets crazy, which he's known to do, and uh, we need to go in there and teach him a lesson, we need guys who are you know, yeah. very, very 
au fait with the grounds and, and the lie of the land. He's gone as far as to create what, like a and dummy? What, what's this outfit? Oh, the outfit that Destro's wearing. No, the outfit of his troops. You know, the way I legitimize it is it's the Iron Grenadier standard outfit with a different helmet. Got it. It's just perhaps their more, less ceremonial, uh, more tactical look. Yeah. Because those, those sloped helmets are pretty, uh, I suppose, I don't know, they're just decorative, really. Yeah. There's no reason for those ridges and stuff. Yeah. They've been on the same steroids that Snake Eyes has been on. <laughs> <laughs> looking good in black man yeah, yeah, yeah. damn it's, it's like someone sprayed those suits over their bulging muscles yes yes damn well I'll wait to see in future issues what happens with Destro and those guys and nice inclusion of Destro's personal craft the despoiler yes once again Sergio's not afraid to work in authentic vehicles and equipment he is clearly able to get them on spec on model and looking great yeah, I've, I've, I've never seen the despoiler looking better. Yeah. And he's even got the little, like, typeset on the wings. That sort of gold lettering. You're right. And you know, he's, he's inking his own work here, and it's some heavier inks than we've seen, some more thicker black lines. But that almost adds to the, to the flavour of what he's done with the vehicles here. Rather than... He's made them detailed, but rather than going, you know, very thin lines and very, very technical, he's managed to get them looking technically accurate but still with kind of muddied, thicker lines, which is really nice to touch, actually. Agreed. Yeah. All right, then, let's talk about this wolf with the scar on his face who happens to be the grandson of Timber. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, looking vicious as all hell, man. Uh, I guess when... Until he licks his face, yeah. So cute. Love me an animal companion, man. And I never <laughs> used to as a child. I used to always snub the included pets. I was like, I don't have any room for that in my, you know, sword-carrying, Uzi-wielding yes. Snake Eyes world. But uh, having a, a really strong bond with an animal adds such an interesting dimension to the, the human character, if nothing else. Plus, you know, it's an extra teammate, really. Let me show my non-G.I. Joe knowledge here, but what happened to Timber? I don't think it's clear, dude. I think it's... Okay, I didn't know if it was shown on panel him dying somewhere and I've just completely blanked on it. Well, you read the original run more recently than I. I was about to <laughs> defer to you. That but means nothing, my friend. If it did happen, it happened off panel, perhaps. And it's the passage of time. Of course, Snake Eyes and Scarlet don't age, but uh, yeah. <laughs> their animal companion does. And I was about to say, like... At the beginning of the issue you've got an old dude who clearly remembers the legend of the snake eyes oh yeah that was cool i like that bit yeah well it made me flick back to issue 27 the issue that deals with hawk and stalker journeying up into the mountains to confront snake eyes and bring him onto the team yes and they they brush past a a sort of mustachioed dude with a sort of gray bushy mustache and a mailman and i thought to myself Maybe one of those two guys is the old dude in the beginning of this issue. I love it. That's, uh, that's the uh, S-Jobs constructing it in his head. Love it. Well, buddy, it just shows that normal people age like normal people. Snake Eyes and Scarlet, there's something else. Yeah, no, That's good. I like that. I like that. That's it would good. be great. I, I really enjoyed that scene. I thought he, he drew that really well as well. And then to cl- conclude and close out the issue, if you remember, Cobra Commander had sold Brocker Beach to some real estate tycoons or whatever it was they've reopened it and one of the workmen seems to have found a hard drive and one of the bosses says my nephew Vinny tinkers with computers maybe he can download it onto something and it's dr venom's backup 
So what's in store for Vinny? Ooh, Tom Shirley's fave. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, the kid's name is Vinny. Oh man, I didn't. Yeah. Vincent Venom. Okay, <laughs> let's, let's have that that hybrid. Interesting, man. What do you feel about Doctor Venom being dug up once again? <sighs> At what point do we say we've gone to the well too often? I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I'm I I've never been as against the consistent brainwave scanner inclusions as a lot of people. And I think Dr. Venom, when was the last time we saw him? He was getting carted off. possessing Billy. That's right. He was getting carted off into his own mind with Quinn, wasn't he? Yes. yes. Uh, I don't know. He's he's obviously set for a return, I imagine, then. Uh, Yeah, look, I I ask primarily about the character of Dr. Venom, not so much the brainwave scanner. I mean, I think we all have a collective groan when that thing's brought up because it is too easy a plot device to debunk pretty much any plots and change any character's motivation um it's it's tired but dr venom as a character man he got a very brief time in the sun in terms of his actual physical life in the comic book yes it's lamentable that we didn't have him for longer maybe that's why his legacy lives on so much because we got him at the kind of the in the teens of the book where everything was so fresh everything was so new he seemed like an interesting new threat that was definitely something altogether his own. So if this brings a little bit of a switch up to the established order, I'm all for it because Dr. Venom was an interesting mind and maybe maybe that's all that you need. But I, I, yeah, I, I am always sad that we lost him as a character all too early. Yeah, yeah, that's mm. fair. I mean, again, this, this issue... And scumbags like Dr. Bloody Mindbender <laughs> flouncing around with his codpiece all the that's time. It, I mean, he it. should have stayed dead, damn it. <laughs> um, this issue, you know, as we discuss it now, it's it's kind of making me realise it's, it's a really good example of a segue issue. So we had that kind of hyper-violent, angry two-parter. This is kind of almost a relaxed, laid-back one. There's not really much gunfire or action apart from Destro, but that's just him training his troops and what it's doing, it's a perfect setup issue. It's it's seeding mm. all these subplots, which hopefully you've mentioned some we have to wait on for a long time, but that are gonna hopefully flourish into the upcoming issues. But you know, on reflection, quite a clever issue. If I'm to compare it to like chimney sweepers come to dust, which oh, yes. issue always rated very highly, yeah, as a kind of a downtime issue. Uh, I think this one has a cliffhanger instead of a a, a conclusion. You know, whereas Chimney Sweepers Come to Dust, it's it's the various characters being buried at the end. Like this is uh, uh, that a character from that issue being unearthed. Yes, yes. So it sets up an interesting kind of uh, companion piece then. Yeah. yeah. I, I think, hey, you and Ben, ah, yes, I remember I was screaming into my radio back then as well. You hmm. guys were like, what, why is Dr. Venom, like what's the point of this scene where he, he's being buried in a pauper's grave? Right, yeah. Well, I think it's just to demonstrate that, you know, he died alone with no friends. Yeah. <laughs> Simple as. Poor guy. Just like just like Mozart, you know. He, right. This genius intellect that is gone from the world now um, and no one no one came to his funeral. Oh, really? Strong. Yeah, I think so. Saw, saw that film, Amadeus, Once Upon a Time. <laughs> right, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that. Jeez, that's reaching. Anyways, great issue. I also enjoy an, an issue which allows us to breathe a little bit. Yeah, well, let's, I think we can yo-jo this as a, as a one-off. I don't see a Ooh, problem with that. Okay. Tough to beat the action that came before. Yeah, definitely. It's definitely a good issue, but it's not a, it's not a highlight. I think it's art merits uh, market up. I, I'm going to give it a seven and a half. 
Okay, 7.5 for Steve, uh, 7 for the Chief. <laughs> Very good, Chiefy. Um, good stuff, good stuff. We will be mo- moving on to 194 and 195 for next week. Mm-hmm. Right now, though, it's time to talk about some toys. Steve talks about toys, ho, ho. Steve talks about G.I. Joe. He talks about all the toys from the comic book and the animated show. Steve talks about toys. Steve talks about toys. Steve talks about toys. Steve talks about toys. What you got for me? Well, Chiefy, it's about time we spoke about the Robo Skull, baby. Oh, yeah. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) That was a joke because the topic under discussion is actually Chuckles. Ah, okay. Okay. (laughs) I thought you'd go either Major Blood or Chuckles. Okay, good. Uh, maybe we can make a fun game out of this. We can have a guessing game. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Chief, what am I going to talk about? I don't know, <laughs> Jobs. Well, let's find out. Uh, <laughs> Always room for another jingle. <laughs> Just crank Will them up. Chief guess it? Will he get it right? I don't know. Hey! That's how it starts, listeners. That's how it starts. And then he throws in a fat backtrack and the jingle is born. Codename, Chuckles. Undercover. File name, Provost Philip M. Primary Military Specialty, Criminal Investigations Division. Secondary Military Specialty, Intelligence. Birthplace, Little Rock, Arkansas, and a grade of E5. Chuckles has been undercover for so long that nobody is really sure about who he actually works for. He got his start in hole and corner operations at Southern Eastern Insurance Group in Fort Lauderdale, where he still feels he owes his main allegiance. Chuckles is a man's man. Every CID boy's favorite companion. Not just because of his jocularity or his perseverance in the field, but because he is so conscientious about keeping up his cover that he'll volunteer for missions that nobody else would go on to. Chuckles' natural likability is his greatest asset. He can sit around all day with a bunch of cobras grinning, cracking jokes and punching shoulders, all the while wearing a miniature transmitter that's being honed in on by the Joe team. Chuckles is aware of the consequences of being found out. He's also confident of his ability to fight his way out of any situation. Chief, do you feel a kinship to Chuckles by any chance? I do like Chuckles. Never had the toy. Never knew anyone who had the toy. What? Um, So my knowledge and interaction with Chuckles was purely from the comic. And he obviously didn't appear much in Real American Hero. So I would only say... I became a fan of him when that G.I. Joe, when the, when the uh, IDW Cobra series came out. Now, Chief, do you have a predilection towards Hawaiian shirts? I do. I've got a wicked one in the cupboard. The missus keeps trying to put it in the charity box, uh, and I keep fishing it out and saying, that's going nowhere. So I am going to wear it for the next episode, and I will send a picture. Oh, excellent. The War of the Floral Shirt. Now, the reason I ask, man, in a floral shirt and and being called a man's man, I mean, you remind me of Chuckles. (laughs) Come on, Chief. You're lethal on the table tennis table. Uh, Know a thing or two about sports betting, punching shoulders. And and after seeing your Chief's World um, clips on YouTube... Dude, you're just you're just a character, man. You're right. larger than life. You are <laughs> Chuckles, buddy. I'll take that. No? I'll take that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Take yeah. it. Take it. Even that, that square jaw and that gorgeous blonde mop of hair he seems to have. I mean, look, Chuckles has gone through some interesting revisions. I think we can all agree. Yes. And 
none can be most, more jarring than the way he was presented in G.I. Joe the movie, which I know you probably have no recollection of, but I will, <laughs> I'll remind you just Correct. to show you how far the apple has fallen from the tree. He was presented as some kind of like strong man. Right. Like strong, like completely mute, says nothing. And he just, if there's a feat of strength to be done, like his, his primary contribution to G.I. Joe the movie is he jump starts a tomahawk helicopter that's under repairs by manually pushing the propeller blades. Huh. He climbs out of the helicopter on, and he rides it like he's, I don't know, bareback riding a bull. <laughs> and he spins the damn thing. And then he's on top of the, the, the helicopter while they're dogfighting Cobra Law Air Force. He's cracking off rounds on his 45 while he's still hugging the roof of the tomahawk. Nice. It's outrageous, buddy. He also fumbles a training operation with, with Beachhead. He's supposed to use a Havoc, uh, the, that sort of ground vehicle, yes. to take out some his tank targets. Uh, he misses. He misses his opportunity to, to fire at them. So he jumps out of the Havoc, pops the canopy, um, throwing Beachhead off the top of the, the vehicle, and then manually grabs one of the missiles from the side and lobs it at the his tank, right. destroying it in spectacular fashion. Okay. And says nothing. <laughs> Which, I mean, it's just that polar opposites to the yeah. way it's portrayed now as this kind of seedy, skinny, long, shaggy hair. It doesn't necessarily sit right with me because what we've seen, how he's portrayed now, is so much more fitting to the character. And that kind of feat of strongman, you think they could have maybe used Roadblock or Gung Ho possibly for those roles? Uh, he was just one of the new toys for 1987. Okay, there you go. Simple then. as that, man. Yep. Mm. Yep. In fact, they made their own unit called the Rawhides. They were recruits that then kind of worked together in the field. Uh, it was Chuckles, it was Jinx, it was Lieutenant Falcon, it was Tunnel Rat and Law, uh, okay, Law and Order, yeah, the yeah. sort of canine and the dog. And then a character that wasn't produced, at least not in that wave, a guy called Big Lob, who was right. a, a hand grenade throwing... Um, oh, you know Big Lob from Shirley's Yeah, with the big book. afro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's quite, he looks yeah. quality in that. I love him in uh, Transformers G.I. Joe, yeah. He's an absolute character in the movie. You, you guys need to review it. I'm telling you now. In the comic books, there seems to also have been a backscaling. He's presented as this meaty dude who's brawling with the dreadnoks on the beach in his you know debut issue and getting his head knocked in with a an exhaust pipe and kind of shrugging that off and then confronting the um, Pentagon pencil pusher extremists who uh, who had employed him and. And Falcon and Fostraw and all those guys to erroneously become G.I. Joes. If you don't know what I'm talking about, read the issue. It's in the 50s, I think. Todd McFarlane's right, penciled yep. issue. Mm. Anyways, he's presented once again as some kind of brutish, big, blonde, burly dude. And there's been this incredible about-face to him being very lean, quiet, ponderous, intellectual. He's got the long unkempt hair he's probably got you know three days stubble most of the time yep. he's definitely had a complete metamorphosis and as you say this is far more palatable we like this definitely it feels like the job of being undercover song has taken its toll on his his health his outlook i mean there's no way you're going to be in the gym pumping iron getting that schwarzenegger physique <laughs> when you are you know three layers deep 
in in the, the Cobra hierarchy. But let's talk a little bit about the toy. Uh, what do you think of the holster on that figure? Great touch. Does it sit too high or is it nice? Look, we're talking 1987 toy here and it's rudimentary as all hell. This was, I think, the first example of a practical holster in the toy line. Oh, Certainly wow. in G.I. Joe, a real American hero toy line, but perhaps in toy history at that scale. Okay. So I think it's... It is what it is, man. It needs to accommodate an accessory, so it's it is kind of a little bulky. I quite like it. I quite like it, you know. Nice. As do I, man. A practical holster, apart from the novelty, it's just cool, man. And it is the perfect accessory for his specialty of being un- undercover. Yeah. There are alternate ways of wearing it. Uh, the photograph I sent you has him slinging it over his shoulder. Yes. But you could also sling it um, and, and sort of double up on his belt and just have it uh, holstered at his hip. Okay. On, does that figure have on the on the art there? Looks like he's got some massive. Is it some massive knife he's got on his right leg? Does, does that appear on the figure? It's a sculpt detail only. That's what know? I mean. Does it does it appear as a molded? Yes, it does. Okay. It does. Which, okay, honest opinion, chief. For undercover work, <laughs> are you digging the the camo pants or the, the the cargo pants, the kind of military BDUs, or do you reckon he should have probably had slacks? Maybe some chinos, some slacks would have been, you know, a better choice for undercover, I think, yeah. He seems to be trying to have the best of both, which, I mean, when we see him in comic book form and he's kind of, it seems like the shirt is a point of pride. He's adamant to wear it even when he is doing tactical work. Yes, yeah, yeah. So it's a nice, it's, it's, a, it's a character choice. It would be nice if it, then he could wear some kind of like tactical armor over that. Yeah. Now, the next one down, I'm not digging the Mm. the sleeveless one at all. So this is from his second version, uh, which was kind of an exclusive called Operation Flaming Moth. He was packaged with shipwreck. And the reason for the sleeveless uh, um, sculpt is, I think, just because he's kind of on the job, man. They're at sea. He's obviously been through hell. And the sleeves got um, sacrificed at some stage for practical Practical reasons, sun's out, guns out, right? Yeah, yeah. You say he's been through <laughs> hell, but I zoom in on his face. He looks weathered and old, man. He's either done a lot of drugs or he's had a hard life because he <laughs> looks like a, he looks like he's got an old, beaten, leathery face with big bags under his eyes. Like I say, man, undercover work is not kind on you. No, <laughs> age is a man. Yeah, <laughs> but it was a nice presentation with uh, with old Shippy. Yeah, nice, nice. Pre- that that box art's lovely. Mm, in a foam. Container. Yeah. Yeah. So this last picture I'm looking at, I uh, you yes. I wouldn't I personally wouldn't if you just sent me this picture blind and said who's this I chuckles wouldn't have been my guess, but that's not to say that every character has to remain in their original recognizable outfit. But hmm. I'm I'm really on the fence. I can't decide if I think this is okay. Well, it's, I suppose that's not on the fence, but I, I don't know if it's... I'm down the line, it's okay, or if I really like it. I'm not sure. Chuckles version 4 is another exclusive. It is a Night Force recolor, hence the, the more subdued shirt. Right. But I can assure you, under that flexible secondary, there is a floral shirt. Ah, perfect. It used the same upper body as the version 3 Chuckles, which was a throwback to the classic, but in the modern era format. So it had a blue shirt uh, with the, the sort of green splotches of foliage so this is a, a a remix on that and the reason i sent it to you apart from its exclusivity and obviously it's probably the most difficult one to get your hands on now yeah. 
is the fact that it does what Chuckles always needed, which was the option to go tactical. So yes. you've got this character-driven look with the floral that's indubitably Chuckles' thing. But then you add that secondary, which he copped off a Pursuit of Cobra General Hawk figure. And it's got a little radio mic on the, on the strap. Uh, it's got a, a holstered sidearm, which unfortunately it is a bit floaty. It kind of doesn't sit well on the figure when you've got all the gear underneath it. Right. But he looks good, man. The gloves work. You, is it still not winning you over, Chiefy? No, I think, no, I think, you know, now, like I say, I'll probably look for some more images because there's kind of that tactical stuff does look maybe a little bit bulky, but the, he's got the option to wear that, like you said, needs that option, but then strip down, maybe he'll, you know, resemble a bit more to the chuckles that, that I know and like. So, nice. Yeah. But uh, V1 for you all the way? V1 for me, or potentially that, v- yeah, I think V1 definitely for me. Um, but then, mm. you know, that, like I say, that V4, I think is growing on me. <laughs> I didn't show you the other two versions. Maybe I should uh, let you pass your eye. Do you want to? Tell you what, I could do homework ahead of the show each week for this. Then I wouldn't be able to let you guess, Chief. <laughs> <laughs> Chuckles version 1, version 2, uh, version 4, so uh, version 3, here we go. Let's have a look at this one. Hmm. Yeah. This is, and again, this is my unfamiliarity with the the toy figures, but the hips and the, the, the top of the legs, the joint going into the hip just looks a bit funky. All right. Not a fan of modern construction. And no, no one sent you any modern G.I. Joes yet, Chief. Oh, man. <laughs> Fail. I guess our listenership needs to expand beyond um, the 102 <laughs> members of the Facebook group. I think 103, hey. 103 now, I think. 103 ding 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 congratulations uh, thanks for joining the last Uh, i did actually send some things out i sent some things out in the post to numbers 99 and 100 in fact let me give a quick shout out so that was uh gary viola and justin b hopkins hopefully you have had something in the mail uh i did explain that it was really nothing to write home about but it was a nice little bit of memorabilia and Michael Ellis, if you're listening, I messaged you on Messenger uh, to to get your address so I can post something out to you, but I haven't heard back from you yet, so hit me up. And then we had someone else join. Uh, apologies, I, I've now lost the message, but we had someone else join recently, uh, today or yesterday. So thanks for all the people who are joining the Facebook group. Good stuff. Wunderbar. More toys next week. Indeed. Man, do you know what they really need to do is give us chuckles with the long hair. Oh, that'd be sweet. That'd be sweet. We're missing out on that. Yeah, yeah. That just kind of caps it off. That he he doesn't... He didn't give no fucks, man. That's it. That's it. He he does what he wants, when he wants. Um, Good stuff. More toys next week. Um, Chief will try and guess uh, what S-Jubs has got up his sleeve. But right now, we need to confuse some people. It's time for Commonwealth Colloquialisms, a.k.a. Over Egg in the Pudding. We got a pudding. We got a pudding. We're gonna over-egg that pudding Ain't got no criticisms We got some Commonwealth colloquialisms I have the same word in Aussie and South African Boom! So I've only got to guess once But they mean different things, No! i got to guess twice (laughs) (laughs) The word is Donga Donga Okay, so dong would be your manhood. So donga, <laughs> how are you spelling that? 
D-O-N-G-A. So it's a dong, as in your manhood, with a uh. Okay, and this is the South African, yeah? It's both. Well, it doesn't matter. I can do either, whichever yeah. order I want. <laughs> so it, effectively, you have two chances of getting your guess right. A donga. A donga. Hey, hey, mate, are you going down the local donga? Um, mm-hmm. No, that doesn't work. Um, hey, while you're out, pick us up a donga, will you? <laughs> mm, no. I, I got to hit the restroom for a donga. No. Um... Donga. What are you basing this on, Chief? Just the sound. No, I'm just, I'm just, I'm mouth. just saying. I'm just, I'm trying to put it into everyday conversation and see what fits. Work it into a sentence. Uh, <laughs> oh man, that game last night—that was proper donga. No, that doesn't work. Donga. Go I'm down saying to the brick shit house and drop a donga. One of them is donga. One of them is something you'd say in the kitchen. Hmm. Okay. Aussie or South African? Aussie. Okay. And. It's something to do with a beverage, maybe. In South Africa? No. Because we Aust- like to drink. In, 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 <laughs> Austra- in Australia. <laughs> I've got no idea. Put me out of my misery for one of them. Uh, then I'll give you mine uh, and then you can fill out the backside on the other one. Chiefy, it's... Fill out the backside. I beg your pardon. I don't know. Fill um, out the backside. I think I just meant sandwich it at the end. <laughs> I don't know what's worse. Chiefy, it amuses me no end. Your guesses are peachy. Um, a donga in Australia is actually a temporary house. Okay. Uh, yeah. Um, well, I mean, the internet says like temporary or demountable housing. I don't even know what demountable means. Right. Okay. It's, it's like reading a comic by Larry Harmer. I've got to look yeah. up every other word. <laughs> but yeah, okay. temporary, like a shack or a, I don't know. Okay. Interesting. My one is a, the word is or there's two words as the colloquialism, Bobby Dazzler. Hmm. A so, Bobby Dazzler. Yes. Um, new pair of shoes. A new no, pair of Bobby shoes. Bobby Dazzler. Mm. Um, a, a dance move. Oh, that guy just pulled a Bobby Dazzler. <laughs> Boy! <laughs> um, oh, I, shit. Yes, yes, I, I'm going to accept that because it is, ah. it is a, a Brit and Austral slang and I had to look up what Austral meant. That's A-U-S-T-R-A-L. Uh, from Austria. And Austral language is the language of the Austral Islands. Whoa. But I don't even know what those Austral Islands are. Uh, anyway, it's Brit and Austral slang for a personal thing that is outstanding or excellent. Hmm. Was Bobby a, Dazzler. A Bobby Dazzler, yep. Beautiful. Yep. And it's, not co- cockney, it's not cockney rhyming slang no, for something Where else. did the word come from? Uh... Etymology is the English word Bobby Dazzler was originally a northern English dialect term for a person who is considered remarkable or excellent in some way. That, that's what it gives me. That's a Bobby Dazzler. I love that. I really do. Okay, so uh, tell me what the other donga is in South Africa. <sighs> uh, in South Africa, donga is just a ditch okay. or a pothole, uh, yeah, a rut in the road, a donga. If you hit a donga, you probably uh, put a kink in your mags, man. Yes, I've got to make sure I've got no dongas on my Scalextrics track, that's for sure. Damn, son. Hey! Good stuff, good stuff. That was a, that was a cracking round of colloquialism. Good one, good one. Uh, I think it's my favourite portion of the show, actually. Maybe because it's short <laughs> and sweet. Uh, no, I don't know. Um, listen, we um, what do we do next? Oh, yeah, we go to questions. We ask you a question. We ask you a question. You being the listeners, us being the people on the podcast, and you gave us the answers. <laughs> it's a surprise every time. I genuinely don't know what the proper words are anymore. <laughs> so so you just get what you're given every week now. <laughs> You'd think by now we would have pre-recorded something and I'd just drop it in every time, but yeah. nope. 
Chief does it live for y'alls. Yeah, that's the only one that's not pre-recorded. Yeah, so we asked the listeners out there, who in the Star Wars lore is your favourite bounty hunter? Now, I wasn't sure what to expect. I thought we would get a smattering of Boba Fett's, but I honestly thought he would not make up the majority of answers. In terms of Fett or non-Fett, I thought non-Fett combined would be bigger, but how wrong I was, Fett was clearly the number one choice. Well, how 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 could we not have anticipated that? I mean, it's just... Uh, I think I cocked it up when I... When I was floating the topic to you, I was like, I should have just said, let's remove Fett from the table, just yeah. out of interest's sake, you know, get everyone's runners up. I think what started the conversation was you were painting up a Dengar mini. Correct. And I wanted to know your ranking of the Empire Strikes Back 6. Which I never gave you. <laughs> which I was hoping you would say for, for the air. Okay. So after Fett, who's next? Well, I'm not putting Fett 1. I'm not putting Fett 1. What? So, again, this is the chief contrarian view. Because something's so popular, I have to go the other way. But my history with Fett is very much like most people or kids of the time. Who the heck is this cool guy who says the minimal amount of dialect and words, but just has this air and this kind of vibe of just sleek coolness? And clearly, he was the best character in Star Wars for me as a kid for ages but then it's as i kind of grow up i get to start liking minority characters in pretty much all media you know i'm not going to choose the front and center person and i think that kind of went the way with the bounty hunters in that i'm a massive boba fett fan don't get me wrong but there's something cool about bosk and ig88 and just this this lack of screen time and having to dig around online and in books to get a bit of back history and things like that which made them appeal a little bit more i think Mm. my brother had the ig88 action figure from the empire strikes back collection yep yep and it wasn't with us for long for some reason when i was still chewing the corners of the furniture um (laughs) it it disappeared but i do remember thinking this figure was the most detailed action figure i'd I'd ever seen yeah you see i didn't like the ig88 action figure as a kid because i thought it's tall and spindly and the legs are too bendy and it just wasn't yeah. I didn't I didn't hadn't seen it in the movies, so it had to me it had no personality and no backstory as a kid. And I wasn't <laughs> as opposed to S Jobs who was making up backstories for all these characters. I wasn't doing Dude, that. Dude, in the film it was literally a, a a junk pile of like spare parts cobbled together to right. to make a extra you know, it wasn't animated at all. Yeah. Like didn't IG edit it? It just stood there. It was literally just yeah, yeah. a sculpture of metal. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to run through some of the answers we did res- we have that were were non-Fet related. And mm-hmm. uh, Cad Bane got a couple of mentions. Obviously, I am doing the Star Wars Clone Wars rewatch with Ben over on the Outer Timers, and Cad Bane has shown up there already and doing his mm-hmm. thing. And you know, I I I don't mind Cad Bane. He's fine. I think of the animated bounty hunters we've seen a few someone also mentioned ambo i think his name is who is the bounty hunter he doesn't really talk and he's got like a big circular flat hat that he throws you know that guy 
Hell no. Okay. Where's that from? That's from... Well, I, I, he's from the animated show. I don't know if, he, if he's appeared in other uh, media at all, but... Cop that from, from Oddjob. What, tossing his hat around? <laughs> yeah, he's he's only had a couple of appearances as where I'm up to in my chronological rewatch of that series. Actually, there was a better picture on the other image, which I didn't send. Oh, Chiefy, I'm sorry, man. I, I can't follow you down that rabbit hole. If it's not the original trilogy, I can't watch it. And if it's not the theatrical release of the original trilogy, yes. I can't watch it. I'm one of those. Okay. I'm literally one of those. That's fine. That's fine. Um, someone said IG-11 from The Mandalorian. Yeah, and then you realise he's Maori. <laughs> right. I mean, it's voiced by Taika Waititi. Yes. So I'm like, what, Fett has a New Zealand <laughs> accent? And and now the IGs have a New Zealand accent as well. I'm like, come on, man! Yeah. The way is clear for South Africa. <laughs> I will I will lend my voice for free. Oh man, I want yeah. to see that more than life itself now. For South African bounty hunter, okay? <laughs> I'll skin you alive, yeah. <laughs> it's made for I'll it. I'll leave Love you it. bleeding in the donga. <laughs> <laughs> um, who else do we have? Someone actually said Mandalorian. As yep, well. yep, yep. And someone uh, even used Mando's like actual name, Din Djarin. That was Skylor. Yeah, Din Djarin, mm-hmm. yeah, Skylor, yeah. That's cool. Uh someone Scrap Iron did say Dengar. Dengar's probably my least favourite, I think, of the of the original six bounty hunters that we kind of saw in Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, mine too. It looks like he's hurting already. Poor guy, can't yeah. catch a break. He, <laughs> I believe, has a back history. I don't know if it's still canon with Han Solo and swoop bike racing. Mm. I think. Well, if it was in uh, Shadows of the Empire, I, th- I don't think it's canon anymore. That's not can- I mean, I, I'm not as Ben is very much a canon junkie. So if it's not canon, he's not as interested. Whereas for me, I don't care if it's not canon. I love all those old Dark Horse Star Wars comics that have been kind of mm. pushed to the wayside. Although Marvel did reprint them under the Legends banner, so I think that just gives them the opportunity to pick and choose bits they might have liked if they want to reintroduce it but i'm more of like look if it's a good story i'm not bothered whether it's canon or not i have got i sent you a picture before we start recording i've got a book called star wars tales of the bounty hunters love 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 that book man full of little tidbits gonna give that a reread um back to your original question let's say bosk is probably number one boba fett Mm -hmm. is number two for me now probably ig88 then zuckus and forlom do work together but I'd probably say Zuckus is my next, then Forlom, then Dengar. Nice. Something that uh, that Tales of the Bounty Hunter book details that, you know, blink and you must... If, if you're basing these guys purely on their looks, then it's take it or leave it. But Zuckus, he's a Gand, and their race can predict the future. Okay, or, yes. Or can, they have some kind of... Like they can get premonitions. Yes. Yeah. Um, and the, the way they get it is 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 in hyperspace. Oh so right. So when they're traveling through hyperspace, they can kind of go into a meditative state and guess the future. I think that made them expert navigators. Yeah. I might be making this up. No, that might be my head cannon. But uh, give it a read, Chief. That oh, jeez, cool. more homework. Oh no. More homework <laughs> for the chief. He's got to read a whole book. <laughs> Quick shout out from the chief also to Aura Singh, who I'm not sure if you're familiar with. Kind of white, pale, mm. pa- uh, pasty face with a big red sexy top knot i'm not sure what other media she appears in but i know she's definitely in a clone wars animated series but i'm sure she's in actually she's in comics i've read before as well didn't she cameo in one of the episodes the one of the prequels i seem to remember Possibly. her being in a Do- dorling kindersley book 
I think. Yeah, possibly. But she's think, cool. Think. She's a good character. But um, yeah, thanks thanks for your feedback as as always, listeners. Even though Fett seems to be clearly the the one and only for most people. I'm looking at an image of him now. Hot damn, he is cool actually, isn't he? Yeah, man. <laughs> um, where do you rate Django out of interest? Uh, didn't I tell you I swore off the prequels, the sequels, yes, everything but yeah. the OT, you told uh, me that five minutes ago, yeah. 1980 and 1983? Yeah, bro, I I don't rate Django. Actually, you know what? Django's story as, as being a Mandalorian faker is far more interesting to me than the religious sect that they've made the Mandalorians into now. Yeah. Like, I thought of the Mandalorians as these, like, warrior race from prehistory. Right, like they they rubbed up against the Jedi back in yeah, that's you know, right. Like because I've read thousands of I've years. read Tales of the Jedi by mm. whoever wrote that, uh, Kevin Anderson or someone wrote that way back in the mid nineties, and that did have uh, references to, like you say, the old Republic and the old Jedi's rubbing up against the Mandalorian warriors, flying these massive winged creatures. You haven't watched the Mandalorian, have you? Yeah, I have. Yeah. Oh, you have. Okay, fantastic. Okay, good. Well, th- I guess you yeah, look. It's it's a very fertile universe to play in, and I'm glad we're getting answers to these questions all of a sudden. But of course, Star Wars is, was that that thing that like these legendary movies were left with us for so long without being followed up, at least not definitively. Yeah. Sure, there were books, there were comic books, but you know, if you if you only absorbed the films and then absorbed them again, reabsorbed them, kept watching them, you formulated your own headcanon, and unfortunately. What we're getting, as good as it could possibly be, yes. can't be what I've got rolling around in my busty innards, dusty innards. What does no. what does C three PO say? So where where do you fall on the Mandalorian then? Uh, it looks fantastic. It had some great ideas. I understand why they brought in the child to just be meme fodder and push its popularity through the roof. But I think it's at its most successful when like. You got to see an ATST. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, I just want to see the toys, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm less fussed about about the mythology of the Mandos. Yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't like the idea that they still exist. I wanted them to be extinct. I wanted Boba Fett to be a scavenger who who just cobbled together some of their legendary armor. Like he was, I don't know, maybe he was hitting a bunch of museums and just stealing artifacts right. and cobbling together his own legend as a result. Isn't he supposed to appear in season two? Or have I completely made that up? Well, that's also going to kind of alienate me because, I, once again, I don't want Boba Fett to be a Mandalorian. I want him, I want him to do something else. Yes, correct. You no, know, he's not part of this cult, part of this religion. No, but he might not. When he turns up, he might be, you know, the scumbag bounty hunter, win at all costs. I don't know. I think he's happy to be kept in the Sarlacc pit. Well, he's not happy, but I'm happy for him to stay there. <laughs> but um, listen, released today, which as time of recording, when this lands will have been out for two days, is the new episode, Cheap Plug, of The Outer Timers, where we actually have about a 50-minute discussion on the prequels. So if you're interested in our me and Ben's views on the prequels, then listen to that. But S-Jubs, you might have to you know, get a few whiskeys down you before you uh, tread down that line. Uh, they're just unwatchable, man. Okay, well, definitely don't listen to our views. <laughs> Soz. Oh, no, dude, I, 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 I take them all. I, I, like to, I like to let it all in. I, I've definitely gotten enough red letter media stuff on YouTube, which just absolutely bash those films into the ground yes. and then proceed to grind the sequel trilogy even further in. I mean, those guys just hate, yeah. hate, hate everything subsequent to the original trilogy. 
I'm less filled with hate, but they're just disappointment more than anything, I guess. There were stories that didn't need to be told. No. We had missed opportunities, and that makes me a sour old man. Yeah. yeah. 1999 or 1997, I think, when they started principal photography on episode one, was the perfect time to get the old gang back together again and tell the story, the ongoing story of Han, Luke, and Leia. That's what we wanted. Yep, yep, and what we got. Anyway. Um, a stupid numbering convention is what we got. It's like, <laughs> oh, I numbered them four, five, and six, so I got to go back yeah. and fill in the blanks. And we all thought that was a great idea back at the time. Yeah. But uh, public opinion has turned. There you go. There you go. Um, listen, fantastic <laughs> show, chock full of content as always. I've had a blast. S Jubs had a blast. I'm speaking for him. Um, <laughs> Blaster, that is DL44 Heavy. Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's got kickback on that. Um, listen, you can find us in all the usual places. That's Talking Joe Comics at gmail.com, Talking Joe Comics on Instagram, Talking underscore Joe on Twitter, and Talking Joe, a GI Joe on Facebook, something like that. Anyway, just go and check us out. Also, the other thing that people out there can check out is my other new podcast. That's right, that's the fifth podcast I'll be doing, and it's called The Sport Saloon. That's The Sport Saloon. And what I'll be doing is each episode, me and a rotating bunch of co-hosts will look at a sporting documentary. We will discuss the documentary and wider sports around that topic. So check that out. Episode one will already be out, I think, when this episode of talking joe comes out and it is about the last dance and the chicago bulls championship winning dynasty is chief chatting with his mate big boz so check that out the sports saloon we're on instagram and twitter under the same handle so please go and share and follow and all that jazz to bump the numbers up but yeah check it out uh, where can the people find your good work, sir? All the usual places, Chief. Uh, we've got a few uh, interesting videos in the pipeline over at G.I. Joburg. Oh, I need, to, I need to watch the latest one, actually. I haven't seen it yet. Did, when did that drop? Uh, the weekend? The, the grown men playing with their toys, and it's glorious. It's either your thing or it's not. So, but uh, if you was to show us a, a view and a like and a subscribe, I'd much appreciate it. Yeah, Thank you. Yeah, definitely. That's what I'm going to do. Uh, after <laughs> Plug over. This. Um, and what else have I got going on? Yeah, like I say, we've got the Outer Timers you know it's every fortnight now and we've got uh, clone wars twice a week and a wrestling show one uh, every fortnight as well and i'm sticking up on my personal chiefy two shoes account daily art pics of art that i have acquired over the last 10 years so go and check those out but until next time with all that said and done we will catch you down the road yo chuckles for president (laughs) 